Hello and welcome to the Sovereign Collective Podcast, where we bring you real raw truth for your self-empowerment. I'm your host, Sasha Calavota, and I believe that you can stand on your own two feet, but that you don't have to do it alone. I love learning from people who continually strive to raise the bar, to go against mainstream thinking, and who dare to question the general consensus. People are risking ridiculed or even risk the loss of their professional status as they bravely question the common narratives and challenge the rest of us to expand our minds and to reconsider what we think we already know. Join me in learning how to take control of your health and your mind so that you can have the energy to think more clearly and the confidence to step up and take responsibility for all aspects of your life. We promise to never censor here because I believe you are strong enough to hear the real raw truth to make up your own mind. If you like what you find here at the Sovereign Collective Podcast, then please share with your friends and family. I so appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. And now on to the show. Hi, y'all. This is Sasha here for two quick announcements before we get on to our interview for today. First of all, if you are looking for quality supplements, quality tonic herbs, some specialty food items, and you're in and around Calgary, then please go check out Lotus Herbal Health, a great family-run store that has two locations in Calgary. You can find them at lotusherbalhealth.ca to find out where their locations are, or you can shop online and they will pretty much deliver anywhere. So quality supplements, tonic herbs, great staff, check out lotusherbalhealth.ca. Secondly, I want to announce the relaunch of my program called Your Conscious Pregnancy and Parenting Guide, which consists of experts in their fields around the world on consciousness and parenting and education and nutrition and dentistry and homeopathy and more. This is a program I created after my son was born about 10 years ago, a little bit more than that. And I am now very concerned after the events of 2020 for our future generations. And I believe the time is now for conscious parenting and for conscious parents to rise up and take, to take back our pregnancies and our births and our parenting and the resilience of our children and of future generations. The time is now. We change the course of history by changing the course of our future generations. And we do that by consciously raising them, consciously birthing them, consciously conceiving them, feeding them good food, and taking back the responsibility of raising healthy, well-adjusted, robust people. Resilience. It's time to build resilience. So please go check out sovereigncollective.org forward slash get the guide, and you will be able to check out all of the amazing material in there. It's time for us to understand how our worldviews are formed, how our self-views are formed, and how to impact that and how that impacts the society on a whole. So check it out, sovereigncollective.org forward slash get the guide. And now on to the show. Hey everyone, Sasha here for another interview for the Sovereign Collective podcast. And today I am with Beth Martin, somebody who's been coming up on my radar in many areas. So after listening to a couple more interviews with Beth, I decided to reach out and see if she would honor me with an interview and she did. So I'm super stoked to have her today because Beth is doing really important work in the world today and she has an amazing story. So I've heard her on great podcasts like AlphaCast, Dr. Bear Lando and Mike Winner. And if you know me, you know that I've interviewed Bear Lando a couple of times and uh, she's on some other great shows and her and Matt Belair, they just finished launching or putting out the Choose Freedom Law Summit. I'm going to have the link for that in here. And I'm going to also post that as well on my Facebook page. So you can learn. This is a super and super important topic of our time as we are understanding more and more on our broader scale that 
We are not free. The system is not set up for our benefit. Uh, and and we are we are entering into contract with 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 these institutions that we, that we don't even know that we're not even privy to. So that's a whole other topic. But anyways, so if you want to learn about Beth Martins, go to Beth Martins and that's M-A-R-T-E-N-S. Of course, I'll have the link. Uh, down below, but bethmartins.com, and you can learn about her book. You can find, uh, get access to her blog, to her podcast. You can get access to Beth herself with through one-on-one coaching or applying to be coached one-on-one. She also has a program on there. So there's all sorts of great stuff that you can access that we will get into in the podcast as well. But what really struck me about Beth is she has firsthand knowledge of how do I say it, living through almost dying, (laughs) like finding her true self and really getting on her purposeful path through basically meeting death and, uh, and having a, an amazing, amazing adventure from that time. And that is something that I really want to get into and start with, with Beth, because we are dealing with a lot of sickness in society on so many levels. And we really view this body as a 3d body that needs to be treated through 3d ways. And that is absolutely not how Beth healed at all. And she was sicker than sick. So I am super excited to get into that and then see where this conversation goes, because I think many of us have a lot to learn. Like what I love, what would I wrote down the name of your book here? somewhere quickly the book is journey a map of archetypes to find lost per- lost purpose in a sea of meaninglessness like doesn't that just give you shivers like we are in a sea of meaninglessness <laughs> like it's, it's crazy it's just that's where we're at and we can see it everywhere right like what we value what we're working for how we're spending our time and is that really why we're here i was i always think about when i drive by a like a, a speed trap and there's a cop hiding behind a wall or something I'm like, wow, is that really what you think you were put here to do is to hide and to, you know, give meaningless tickets to somebody that's not even causing harm to anyone. They're going 15 kilometers of the speed limit. And anyway, so I digress. So anyways, Beth, thank you. Thank you so much for being with me today. I'm really excited to get into this and to learn from you and share your story with others. Thank you so much for having me. It's a total pleasure. Great to meet you. I can tell we're already sisters. (laughs) (laughs) I think so too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for people in Canada, Beth is a fellow Canadian in Manitoba. And of course I'm here in Alberta. So we're just a couple provinces away. So Beth, let's talk about your, what your, your, your illness couple, like 20 years ago, like you have such an amazing story. So I know you've said it probably a million times, but for people who have never heard about it, please share. Uh, yeah. So it all began for me in, uh, I was leading a double life split personality, feeling like I was very compelled to do the thing that was inside me to be done Uh, you know, just following the divine breadcrumbs. What am I actually interested in, passionate about, care about? And I thought in order to do that, I had to go and become, you know, successful financially, for example, that was, that was the gatekeeper. And I had, by um, the time I was 20, um, so like, where should I back up to here? Okay, so in university, I studied a lot of alternative, you know, religion, medicine, I did a degree in anthropology, I got the gold medal, I was trained for nothing. By the time I got the gold medal, I was disillusioned with academics. 
and realized like this is useless. And you know, I saw enough of the internal politics. I knew I didn't want to become a professional academic. And so I started traveling to India. I went on a, a major epic trip and uh, just satisfied all my desire for freedom by that point because I'd been a you know a, a school slave for my whole entire life. Mm. And I saw other ways to live. It really opened my perspective. Um, I found a white bearded guru on a mountain to study with. I'd already connected through somebody who's connected to him. And then next thing you know, I ended up going eight times to study with wow. this guy. And there was a lot of uh, good knowledge to take. It's kind of like everything in life. The lesson goes on and on to, if you want to turn to anybody as a guru, you're likely screwed because everybody goes sideways somewhere. And whether that's by intention or by accident, it's hard to say. So in his case, you know, there was bad stuff going on. So I was... I was going to India every year. I was working full-time. I decided I was going to go full-time into my parents' business in marketing and communication because that's where I'd only ever worked. Uh, I'm not good at getting jobs. I, you know, I need to have a lot more autonomy. My parents really set the, the bar for uh, self-determination and being able to just see, you know, say how things go. And, and that was the closest I could get at that point without starting my own business, which I had no basis for doing anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I went to work with them and I, I very quickly became the vice president. My dad was grooming me to take the, the company over. It was a downturn. It was, it was uh, you know, they, they lived a lot of very high days. And then the recession of the 90s did this major thing. So I was trying to rescue them, trying to save, you, save them. But, you know, I, I was still a newbie thrown in at the, the deep end. And it was a lot of stress, a lot of intensity. I was a total fish out of water. It's where my whole mermaid thing got got born uh, many years later. I was just, uh, you know, in the corporate world with soulless people, the meaninglessness you talked about in the title of my book, the, you know, working so hard every single day, hours and hours and hours for nothing, <laughs> right? For absolutely, I would dream and salivate of the day that we could put up a billboard about something related to, you know, in, in those days, it was yoga, meditation, peace, you know, all of the, those kind of things, which I, I actually have a, a, a fairly different perspective on now, not that I don't do yoga to save myself from rigor mortis and, and I love peace, but that's, that's not the depths of it. And uh, so instead of getting out, knowing that I was so out of alignment, I was in misery. I was, you know, I wanted to throw myself off the building I worked in half the time rather than, you know, it was just got to that, that place. But I felt so uh, loyal to my family. And I also felt very committed that this was my path. I had to go here to go there. And that's a big trick. Like, you know, if you have to go here, then you're not going there. That's, that's the fact. Mm. So it, my health got whittled down. I was actually traveling to India every single year. And the, the very last time I traveled to India, before I left, I found a great big lump in my neck. I got really sick when I was in India, sort of a flu to end all flus. I never recovered from that. Um, it took me months because I was really terrified of our medical system for good reason. <laughs> it's a horror show in there. Yeah. And uh, by the time I was diagnosed, I had a stage four lymphoma and uh, it was the, it was the end. I was I gave myself that ticket to to walk out. You were how uh, old when you were diagnosed? I was diagnosed. I was trying to remember now I was 28 or 29. I think 28. Okay. It was a three year battle. I ended up uh, leaving my job again, finally gave myself permission to get out of there. 
and uh, went a lot of different paths. I was trying to avoid the conventional system because I knew too much about it. My family was full of medical professionals and uh, it was in some ways why the seed was planted that I was going to have cancer in the first place. You know, that was just in my consciousness with everybody talking about it. It was the big C. You never talked about cancer. You, you talked about the big C because the word itself was too frightening to say. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, fear really does attract what you're afraid of. So it was a lifetime You'll hear me talk about a lot of different causes. And, and, you know, it was it was stress, being out of alignment with my own purpose, the toxic environment that I worked in, uh, you know, a lot of different levels, uh, tons of vaccinations before I went overseas the first time. So it was oh. almost a decade of trying to recover. I was never well after all of those vaccines. Right. You know, so everything just nickel and dimed me out of my health, especially the happiness factor. And the double life factor, right? So all day long, I'd be working in the, the corporate world. And then all night long, I'd be working on my passions because they wouldn't leave me alone, right? It was, it, it kept calling and calling and calling and I couldn't just not do that. So, so what uh, were those? What were you doing at night? It was yoga, meditation. Uh, I'm a, a musician and a songwriter. I have four CDs. I was writing songs. I was playing in bands. Uh, you know, going out to festivals and uh, Mm -hmm. doing that whole spiritual thing, which I, which I loved inviting teachers, doing workshops, seminars, concerts, you name it. So really busy. Yeah. Yeah. Super busy. And then it came to that full stop and I started to fight for my life. Uh, Avoiding the conventional medicine meant going really full-time into the the natural side of things. Uh, Saw practitioners all over the place. I moved out West to BC to see the um, the guy who has more experience than anybody in the country. People would come from all over the world to see him. I worked with him for, you know, two, three months and my health was doing this decline. He was keeping me sort of steady, but then all of a sudden I'm doing the nosedive. Uh, he said, go home, do chemo, do radiation, whatever they give you. Uh, you know, I had a Hodgkin's lymphoma, which was not considered that deadly. 80% of the people can recover from that. But um, so, you know, he said, go, go and give that a try. So I went full-time into chemotherapy, didn't qualify for anything, any other kind of treatments like surgery and um, radiation, which are really the only three treatments they have. They're not treatments, they're brutalities. (laughs) And, uh, and that nearly killed me. I did have a near death experience the first time after 11 months straight of chemotherapy, the cancer was gone, but I was nearly gone. And uh, so I write about this extensively in my book, the, the last scene, it still makes me cry to read it. It's a, oh, wow. kind of a strange thing, but, but the, the, the breakthrough there was giving into the, the enemy, which was death, right? That it made me see how my whole life I had done nothing but run from death. And this like I said earlier, whatever you're afraid of, it really, it really pulls it in. It's a magnet. It is like a direct cord to the thing that you don't want to happen. And so in that moment, when I felt like my life was being lost, I surrendered to it instead of fighting with it and trying to run from it. I gave into it. I let it have me. And, and then I had the biggest breakthrough of my whole entire life. When death took me, it wasn't death at all. It was a big fat lie, right? The illusion of death is, is the thing that we are afraid of. 
And it could have been my time to go, but it wasn't. And so I, I gave way to this, uh, to this energy that really actually filled me with a sense of joy and wholeness and completeness. And, and on the other side, the, the um, you know, two sides of the very same coin, the, the bigness of this journey that was yet to be lived, right? The, 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 the inner calling that I'd felt, but, but that was mushrooming. And I didn't even know exactly what I was supposed to be doing, which is the nature of purpose. And, um, it, you know, I hate to interrupt. Is that bothering you? I've got a fan that's clicking. Is it? Uh, no, it's no, not bothering you. Perfect. You're okay. Good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fun. Uh, so, so I saw my purpose. I saw that I didn't get out of it. There was not, death was not going to release me from purpose. And I was just going to have to come back and do it all over again. So then it was a resolution. It was a decision. Like, I'm going to work with this. I'm going to cooperate with this. I'm going to do whatever God tells me to do. And from that breakthrough, my energy returned. I, I, um, I had gone into remission or went into remission from that. It's hard to say when exactly that happened because the test happened after all of that. But it was, you know, proven to be cancer free. And then for 18 months, I couldn't recover from the treatment. So I I was diagnosed again a second time. The second diagnosis they consider to be deadly, uh, that nobody survives that. So they offered me a stem cell transplant, which half the people die doing. So I was between this very rock and a hard place, (laughs) right? Not, not good stats. Even if, I mean, the stats alone, many people do the stem cell transplant based on the stats, but when I looked into it, I saw it was a total violence, not just to your physicality, but to the soul. Mm -hmm. And I saw at that point that I'm not here to, to protect my body at all costs bodies. You know, it's like the flower, it turns to seed, it dies, it withers, it goes back to the earth, the plant grows again. Like that's, that's the nature of our physicality. So that I'm, and then the realization is I'm here to protect the soul it for Mm -hmm. the long haul. And, uh, and that the soul can't die, right? That the, 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 there's, there can be so much suffering that it vacates. I don't know. I can't explain anything about that. This it is just my own inner knowing and experience. So I knew the stem cell transplant at that point when I connected with who I actually am inside with, uh, in, you know, letting enough of the fear of death, of dying, go facing it saying, okay, if this is my time, I will accept it. If you know, not going through this stem cell transplant means I'm going to die, I will, I will say thank you very much for this life I've had and I will start again on the other side. Mm-hmm. I worked with archetypes. I was guided to work uh, at that point. I had been reading Carolyn Miss's books for uh, months and months and getting a lot out of it. She published the sacred contracts about five minutes after I had this diagnosis. I went out, I read that book, I consumed it voraciously. I found one archetype that was super out of alignment for me, the rebel archetype. I had been fighting my whole life without a cause or in you know, a really messy way, not understanding exactly who I am and what my cause is and uh, railing against the machine. Every time I railed against the machine, it would pull me in. You know, I, I went to jail as a young adult. Uh, I was trying to fight conventional medicine. I was, it was just like, I was mired in it. I couldn't get away from it. And so I turned things around at that point, became awake to that part of myself, what that no energy is really about in me. 
And next thing you know, my energy totally returned. I went from being a dying person to a living person practically overnight. And, uh, you know, I still had some recovery time to build up my strength, but I never had to look back. And I became one of those people that uh, they told me I was going to die. You know, in, in a few months time, I was literally working at the same hospital where I had been receiving treatments, this time as a musician playing music for people that were receiving treatments. Beautiful. And I ran into my oncologist. I said, like, hey, Dr. Rubinger, it's me. And uh, he's like, yeah, so what? And I'm like, I didn't die. Check it out. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, whatever. And he walked away. Like he literally didn't care. Wow. And uh, not too long after that, he committed suicide, right? So you could see the, the depths of despair that were there inside his profession, not being able to help people, not being accurate, not being able to explain the anomalies or not even having curiosity about that. Yeah. I won't, I won't pretend to know too much about him, but uh, definitely not a, um, a happy individual. Clearly. And not the curiosity. That's the thing. Over and over, I hear that with people like a friend who healed her son of his vaccine damage. And, you know, nobody can, nobody even, oh, oh, the diagnosis must have been wrong, right? Not, not even giving it any credence and not wondering, it just blows my mind. Where's the curiosity as to why, right? Like how, isn't that why you got into the, the, the job in the first place to heal people? Yeah. Wow. So. So you, I remember you hearing, you saying you knew the difference when you knew you still weren't well, but you knew the difference between the sickness from chemo and the sickness from cancer itself. So how long was that? Like, really? Like when, like when you realized, oh, I'm cancer free. Cause it sounds to me like you, you knew it before it was confirmed through tests. Yes. I learned, I definitely learned to be more tuned in with my body than any test could ever be. And uh, by the end, I'm refusing all tests. And, and then even then I, I, you know, fired my doctors. I never again went to the doctor. I never again went to the hospital. You know, as soon as you are in their jurisdiction, I'll just speak a law word. Yes. Then they can throw the book at you. They can scare you. They can bully you. Uh, you know, so yeah, I learned, I learned the different sensations. There's sickness due to toxicity. There's sickness due to cancer. They're act actually the same sickness. The the, the cancer is a toxicity. It's just the more advanced stage of it. Um, I was, uh, I'm always musing about this, like the force of life and the force of death. We almost need a new word, force of decay, death and decay, mm -hmm. not quite the same thing. Right. And there is a, it's part of divine order. Again, that natural cycle of life, when things live there, they thrive and they return back to uh, the earth or to nothingness and, and the soul is released, or I don't know exactly what happens after that. Uh, but so the, the, the force of death, the force of decay, it's still working for you. Like Berlando's work, you know, you know, very well, it's terrain theory. And, and that however the terrain is, that's how your cells will morph literally into what needs to be done to clean up the mess. Now, sometimes we, the, the mess is so big and the cleanup crew gets so large that it takes the system down. It becomes, it becomes more a force of decay than it is a force of life. And that's, you know, the, the, the movement of that energy, I could, I could feel that the force of decay in my body receded, the force of life um, uh, came forward and I could see, yes, I'm still needing to detox intensely, but it's not that old stored detox where, 
you know, had visions as a, as a young adult, my very last acid trip, (laughs) I I never did it again. I did it as a vision quest, you know, not as a party, not as any entertainment, literally going inside. And I was able to see inside myself, the pathways that get worn very much on a neural basis where energy gets stuck, right? You're in a rut. There's some kind of disbelief or some kind of uh, false belief, better way to say that going on. And it gets worn as highways and those highways can end up very intersected and very knotted and, and tied together. And it, it, it is the makings of a cancer. It's a collection of energy that is stuck. It's raw. It's like when you see, um, you know, a wire fall from a pole and it's doing this, it's got nowhere to go. All that electricity is just doing this mm-hmm. very live, but very, you know, it could kill somebody if it touches them, for example. And so, yeah, I just learned to distinguish those sensations. And I knew more about me than the doctors could ever know about me. You know, they, uh, just as funny aside, when they were taking, they would take blood every time they would see me. And I finally asked like, okay, so what does my blood tell you? And how is it reflecting my cancer? And they're like saying, oh, well, your cancer doesn't show up in your blood. I'm like, what? <laughs> what, are, what are you doing with all that blood? Are you drinking yeah. it on the other side, you vampires? And you can't <laughs> have my blood anymore. Right. It was just a mad this like, what do they actually do with it? You don't know. So yeah, yeah. it's just uh I, I learned to take uh, personal responsibility and authority for my health. I'd already done that to a great extent, but I had been programmed, I'd been mind wiped. I was so driven from fear, I was willing to do anything that some authority told me to do by that stage, whether it was a, a you know, a natural authority or that kind of thing. And it, and it was, it was the lesson and it's the lesson of life to take it into our own hands and, and uh, decide and discern and run it through, right? Have it be your intent, not somebody else's intent. You're always going to go sideways with someone else's intent, however good their intent may be. Or not be as in or not be. world. <laughs> I mean, that is that in a nutshell, as I think the world would like in an instant, we can transform current events if we would all just take that within, right? And run that through our own filters in our own heart and feel, feel and stop thinking and listening and just, yeah. So what do you think about, so there seems to be more sickness, more disease right now. There's a couple questions. So does that mean, because we, we know about carcinogens in the environment, we know about crappy diets and all these different things. But is it that, or is it that so many of us have just bought into the system, we're just cogs in a wheel and we're not living our purpose and we're ignoring that and we're not listening to the call? Is that what it is? And could we just eradicate it all that way? And what about children and babies? Like, are, are, did they come in as a purpose to teach somebody else something? Or because they can't make decisions for themselves, right? When they're just born or one, two, three years old. So what about in those cases? Yeah. So I'll go back to um, your your first question that uh, we live in a death cult. It's a death cult, Mm -hmm. right? It's taken my whole life to see it, but uh, this is the nature of, um, again, the the fear that we live in, the self-hatred programming that we are victim to, uh, that we internalize and, and, and take on um, the way that the air, the water, and the land are poisoned on a regular basis, that all of our so-called medical treatments are of harm, bring harm. They are uh, blood rituals. They are sacrifices. 
you know, the, the cult of abortion of, of, uh, of, of uh, you know, that, that killing a baby is, is, of, um, is an option, <laughs> that killing, killing life to right, means to an end, very satanic, that, oh, this, this terrible means to an end, if we have a good outcome on the other side, it's worth it. Uh, the inversion of sacrifice, which really means to make sacred, right? This is not, this is not to, to, um, to give to God flesh, to burn the flesh, and then they were good with God. No, <laughs> right. This is absolutely not right. Uh, we have, you know, in the spiritual world, we have the whole cult of Gnosticism. That is the death cult where it's got us, um, thanks to Michael Desaria. Now I have this word mysteria. It's all has us trapped in mysteria, thinking about other people's thoughts. And, and it's, it's a, uh, a closed loop inside the mind, which is not the enemy, it's just that the mind isn't meant to work with everything that we've got. And uh, it is, it's got this worldview that we are always under attack by the archons, whoever they are, you know, the government, the deep state, the, the um, you know, perpetrators at every level, that uh, we are inside our own body, the enemy of ourself. This is why the pandemic works, because we have outside the, the mythology of outside pathogens that are going to come in to attack us and take us down. And we need to go to war with pathogens. I, I was at war with cancer. Well, it's the lie, right? It's just simply my own system has turned into this, this thing because it needs to clean up that thing. Right. And uh, so this, this is the, the programming that needs to be let go to, to stop seeing we're not in the death cult. We are in a matrix of a death cult. It has to be perpetuated daily by messages through the media, by method, messages through the populace, how they you know, control a certain level. For example, they're very big on controlling businesses here in Manitoba. And then businesses force the populace. Right. With with all of these, you know, stay safe, which really means we're trying to kill you. It's always, <laughs> it's always death in disguise. Yeah. Uh, right. So so this is a, a very big breakthrough that I've had uh, over time, but, but more so in the last year than ever to just see through that and how it is the antithesis to purpose. The second thing that you talked about. Um, right. When we are running from death, there's no way to be purposeful because purpose comes from the other side. You could call it love or God, whatever uh, name you want to use for it. Love is might be just a little bit sideways. I'm, I'm working on this right now, maybe from a, a new age perspective. Um, but, you know, uh, God does not, uh, to me, my experience of God, and this is all I have, I can't go to any literature to prove it. I am a fan of the Bible for a, a variety of different reasons, but there's a lot of sideways stuff in there, right? Mm -hmm. it, there, there's a lot of death cult in there. There's a lot of sacrifice in there. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I mean, I can, I can sort of get down with that too, because there's righteous anger and righteous destruction, but um, say, you know, uh, fear, fearing God, I can't even quote anything, any scripture about that, but you're meant to fear God according to scripture. And it's like, no, my God isn't scary. Right. That is the one place I go where it's truly the, the, the haven, the, you know, in the midst of all kinds of bad things that are happening, I am in, in communion with God. There's no fear. Absolutely no fear. You could call it love because we're dealing with the unnameable, the indescribable. 
it's not that what we can think of, but we just have this word love. If we both have the same experience or if we, but we both have experience uh, of God, we can have a conversation, a very meaningful, beautiful one, but the words never touch that. And that's where purpose comes from, that direct communion with God. God tells you what to do, right? So I always say that I won't slave to the perpetrators and the system and, and the legalities and, and the financial world. I will be a slave to purpose, mm. right? I will be a slave to whatever God tells me to do, no matter how much it doesn't make sense or I can't see how it's going to work out, or it scares the crap out of me. That's, I, that's where I will slave. I will work like a demon. I will do cartwheels. I will, uh, you know, do the thing that makes no sense to anybody, right? When, when I was doing what I did, even to survive, I would get calls in the middle of the night, people, you know, my sister saying like, you're gonna die. <laughs> you have to do that stem cell transplant. You're not going to make it. And uh, I had already turned the corner. I'd already decided like, no, this is, that's not my master anymore. You can't serve two masters. I'm going to go with this one and do my best. And yes, we're all going to die and you need to be at peace with that. Good night. <laughs> I need to go to sleep now. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, when it comes to children, you know, it, it is the biggest and the heaviest. They are born um, in, in, without any capacity. Their choice, I will say, was to be born. I have, I have the sense of that, of, uh, of um, the, the idea, or not the idea, but that being in that position saying, okay, I'm going in again. There was, there was a decision, I'm going in again. And you know how it looked from that side was very different, not mired down in the day-to-day -day details and all of the challenges and trials and tribulations. It was, it was seeing the big picture, seeing the that I have this contract to serve in my way. And if I don't serve in my way, then that remains a whole, that contract remains unfilled. So I, I made that decision. So I think that's where babies start out, having made that powerful, strong, conscious intention to come. Now they are mind wiped or there's, you know, something happens, obviously they have no memory or they can't express the memory for their whole lifetime, maybe never. They may never wake up to that, right? And, uh, and we are here as their uh, lawful guardians, as, as, a, you know, as a parent, for example, I'm, a, I'm, I'm very aware of the fact that my 14-year-old cannot decide to, to go and get a poison injection. Mm -hmm. Right. Even though Despite the government allowing them to do so. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Manitoba government has said, you're free to do this, even behind your parents' back. And here's how you lie to them gracefully. Exactly. That's part of, part of our propaganda. Yeah. Unbelievable, right? And it's, this goes against the covenant yeah. and, uh, and certainly against every bone in my body, right? And, you, and you've got parents, oh, well, they can decide. You can see how we've gone, we've gone sideways. And I've said it on, on things too, um, you know, that, that a child could choose where they live and choose what they do. And, and it's a fine line because going against anybody's free will is costly, right? He, 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 they will get up in arms. They will rally against you. They will resist you. And sometimes just because you are forcing them for no other good reason, they, they, right. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the rebel energy yeah. again, just talking about archetypes. And uh, so it's it, the, the parent's path. I don't know if you have children, but the parent's path, it's a yeah. razor's edge, man. Yeah. Yeah. Razor's edge. You're always walking that really fine line. 
And I woke up now to more than ever how I am the guardian. I am responsible. If anything happens because of that child's choices, I'm the one who goes down for it, whether that's financially or criminally or at, at whatever level, even just spiritually. The most important is spiritually. I have a contract. I brought this child. I'm, I was the one who made the, the conscious intention to bring this child. I am responsible until he is responsible. Mm -hmm. We don't even know what age that is. We have age of majority, age of consent. Uh, it's funny that the expression age of consent goes around because that, that is actually a shit show. That's saying a child of 12 years old could get married, right? That's, a, that's an ancient Bouvier's law dictionary thing. Oh, okay. Right. It's age of majority is more 18. Right. And, and look, look at it. The average 18 year old, they're, they're still like babies. They don't have a basis for anything. They're, they're, their face is eaten by a screen and, and they, they don't have critical thinking. Right. So I, 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 my spiritual age of majority is going to be when you make good decisions. And I see that that's when I'm letting you go. We talk about it all the time. Totally. That's <laughs> right? awesome. Right. And I'm tighter than ever. So, you know, that they're trying to eat our children that the death cult needs life to eat. It doesn't, it doesn't survive without consuming the life force of those, of those living men and women, those men and women who are connected to the source, who have real life, original force in their system. So when you're, when you're more deaf than you are life, you need life to eat and it is this hungry ghost. It keeps eating and eating and eating. It never gets full. It never gets satiated. The more it consumes, the more hungry it gets. So we see that at every turn, they get a little control over us. They need more control over us. They need the next level of control over us. And, uh, and so children are, are, are most close to the life force. And therefore, that's why we get, you know, very scary situations. I won't even go into it, the graphic side of all of this. But, you know, it is literally eating the soul of, yeah, eating the souls of children because they are the highest life force that, that we could have. If you don't do any work as an adult, for example, that, that light, I think, does diminish, in, you know, as a, as a, especially in the death cult, right? You, you go to sleep to your own life force and you stop valuing it. But uh, yeah, children are, are our biggest asset. They are the future of humanity, of course, that seems to go without saying, how did they convince everybody that, uh, that you know, same-sex marriage is okay and, and that, you know, um, sex without an idea to procreate or, or to, crea to create, because I know that's inside there too, that, uh, you know, say, I, I'm not going to have any more children. That's, I'm just, I'm, that's, I'm done with that. And yet the, uh, you know, creating like, a, I just keep wanting to swear in your podcast. Can I swear in your you podcast? Can, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I won't censor my video. Create like a motherfucker, right? That's, a, <laughs> that often goes through my head. It's, we're, we, it's, it, it's create mode. And that is the, that is what brings you close to creator because you get to see yourself. You are the spark of God. You are the child of God. God gave you free will. I always say this, not a little shard of it or a little bit of it. He gave you all of it, the whole thing. And that's why God can't come in and interfere in a way that's without your consent. And that's one of my all-time prayers is, is like, God, you, you have, you have permission to intervene and at uh, uh, any turn, but without my permission, that can't happen. Oh, interesting. Okay.
right? And don't pray for strength because God's going to just show you you already have that by throwing horrendously difficult situations your way. Absolutely. Are you going to need that strength? I was praying for faith at the beginning of pandemic. The, the pandemic is I'm like, okay, I'm going to need a lot of faith to get through this. I was praying for impeccable faith. Well, I had one test of faith after another, you know, just back to back to back. And finally I woke uh -huh. up and was like, ah, right. We're praying for that, which we already have. So you're saying to God, I lack this. And God's going, oh, I'll prove to you that you don't lack that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they give you, I was just listening to an interview with Lynette Sanum on AlphaCast and she was talking about her trip across, uh, where was it across Alaska or the North Pole? I can't remember, but it was insane. And she just, all these things kept on coming up and she met it and she went through it and she never quit. But she said, in the beginning, if you told me I'd have to do this and pull these dogs and have these wolves following me that I didn't know and build a canoe and, you know, blah, 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 all this stuff. She's like, there's no way. There's no way I could do it. But as it came to her, she did it and she never backed down. And you don't know what you're made of. So I guess be careful what you wish for or ask for, right? Because then you'll be shown that, oh, yeah, you think you don't have any strength. Well, let's show you how strong you are. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And for me, I, uh, I created a course on conscious when I had my son, my son is 12. And when I had him, I created a program on conscious pregnancy and parenting where I interviewed all these people around the world and not around the world, North America, mostly, um, experts, in, including Bruce Lipton and David Wolf back then and some other people. And then I, I relaunched it at the end of last year. Cause I'm like, our kids are in trouble. So that for me is my big passion right now. Putting that out there is like, parent like it's inexcusable what we're doing with their children what the the what were the abuse forcing them to go to school with these masks on and offering them up for experimentation it's like what are you doing it's just inexcusable and I just my heart bleeds so that's a really that's a really big area of my focus right now because I, I don't we, we don't have anything with our kids so, so let's not even think about the next generation let's you know let's think of it from a more I say from an indigenous perspective where we're looking at seven generations before us, seven generations ahead of us, right? Our decisions are so in the now, which is good for certain things, but not when it's going to impact the rest of life, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, mm -hmm. yeah, it's mind blowing. Yeah, totally is. So, okay. So now you do a lot of work with Arca. So where are you now? Where has this all brought you? I know you're doing coaching, you do business coaching, but you work with archetypes, right? That's, that's one of the big things that you do. So Yes. Can you unpack? I, so I know the work of Carolyn Miss, but I don't know. I never, I never loved her. So I never got into her work, but explain to us archetypes. Like I, what is an archetype? Do we have our set archetypes? Are we creating them? Are we getting rid of them? Are we going through them? Like what are archetypes exactly? Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm constantly studying this to get deeper into it. I do all my study internally. I don't go out it reading uh, that much. I'll, I'll read after I find and see, like, are there any parallels at all? Are we, and, and truth is truth. So when you find it, it should match up with something or other out there. But I think there's a lot of sideways stuff, you know, based in the work of Carl Jung, for example, he was the, he was the one to bring archetypes forward into uh, pop culture, which is, you know, it's still relatively unknown. People are still asking me what, it, what is an archetype? Even though we hear the word, we think we know what it means. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't even agree with him today. If we had a conversation, Carl Jung and I, <clears throat> uh, I am not, you know, Carolyn Mice, I always shout out to her because it was her work that I, that was an impetus for me to save my life with archetypes. Yeah. 
but her and I don't match on everything. And she's totally not awake post post pandemic. Ah, so many of them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So there's still, you know, there's value in everything. Again, an ongoing lesson to take what's what works and, and uh, to continue to discern for yourself. So that's what I've done with her. And I, you know, very arrogantly, I'll say I've taken her work to a new level. (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because she's still stuck in her head. She did, it didn't it didn't really process all of the emotional side that uh, that that you know that 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 work points to. So so where I'm at with what is an archetype that because the death cult is all chaos. The 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 true culture of life that you know the culture meaning the the the, the growing organic uh, living force is all ordered. It's not chaos at all. It might look wild. You go into the forest and it's like, oh my God, there's a million elements happening at the same time here. But if you look very closely, you see, oh, only five elements. All of this is only five elements. It can all be boiled down. Um, you know, in the same with the inner workings of life, it seems like chaos because we're always on uh, getting attacked with stuff. So it is, it is a chaotic situation. But when you study inside, you see, oh, actually highly ordered. For example, the work of uh, Lester Levinson and David Hawkins pointed me towards the scale of emotion. Lester called it the scale of action. I call it the scale of emotion because that just is like, a, that word makes no sense to me. I don't like to make you say things that make no sense. And uh, uh, so, you know, like when you, when you look inside, it's not just a wall of emotion. There is actually a spiral of emotion it is moving either up or down and it has a logical sequence. Not only does it make sense, it works in nature, <laughs> like terrain theory versus germ theory. Germ theory, you have to memorize. Terrain theory, you can observe everywhere, out there, in here. And so, you know, the, the scale of action, a scale of emotion, it, it's very simple. The lowest energy being apathy. One level up is grief. That's why people are stuck in, in apathy because they don't like grief. One level up is fear. They'll get stuck in grief because they don't like feeling fear. One level up is lust. They like lust because they didn't like fear. Mm, Right? We got a a lust culture. It's all about like your passion and your desire and blah, 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 which is, it's part of the door, but it's not the whole way through the door. And then one up from, from lust is anger and people love their anger because you can get shit done from yeah. that place, but it's, you're not there yet. And they get stuck there. That's, that's actually a, a big rebel shadow is getting stuck in anger. Uh, one step up I can, is, I, can I just intro? I think that's where I'm kind of stuck right now. And I'm working to get this as soon as, as day one from the, when this hit, I was mad, exactly Super mad. Cause I'm like day one, I'm like, uh, uh-uh, uh, this is bullshit. And so I, I have to work to get out of that, but I, you know, and then you'll see what's going on. It's hard to get get sucked back in again, right? That anger is a place of, it is a motivating thing, but it's also like, you can't stay in it. Right? It'll eat you alive. That, that really yeah. was one of the big roots of my cancer. It was a lot of anger. Okay. No, no, exactly. No, noted. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, it was diagnosed by several uh, energy workers in the same way. So that was, that was very interesting. And, and then the next level up. So this is the trap for the truth community. We don't tend to vibe in apathy and grief and fear that we're more, we have more courage. We're, we're, you know, willing to look at hard things. We're willing to get mad at, at, at you know, like to see the thing and, and get mad rather than go into denial and shrink away. 
And uh, so the next level is a big trap called pride where you feel right. And it's not true yeah. righteousness. It's, it's that like, I'm right. And it's separateness. You're over there. I'm over here. You have nothing, you know, I'm not, I'm not stupid. Like you are, you know, the mastard thing. And you just saw that like so much hatred from the truth community going to normal people. And that can't be, that can't like, didn't help them. I know I tried it. <laughs> right? yeah. Didn't help them at all. So in order, the next level up from there is courage. And, uh, and, and that's where you can take action in a different way, but you haven't arrived yet. There's no arrival in courage. It helps. Curiosity is good, much better than anger and pride where you're, you're superior or inferior or judging or jealous or all that kind of stuff. Uh, the next level is acceptance where you say, okay, you know, it's kind of isness. I have a girl, girlfriend who keeps using this word isness and just saying like, okay, yeah, this shitty situation is, I'm going to stop hating it, resisting it, trying to be separate from it. I'm going to let it be what it is, not condoning it, not anything, but coming into this place of acceptance, it's true. It's truly the only place you can begin to heal from. No healing can come if you, right. I had to accept death. Thank yeah. you, death for coming. Thank you for serving me. I'm going to, I'm going to sit with you at my table, like an honored guest. And, and we're going to talk and I'm going to be with, I'm going to stop hating you. And, and, and that, but that's not the destination. It's a good place to be. Then there's peace, right? Peace is where you actually, and, and I don't know if you're experiencing this, but it's a spiral and you can put yourself through it. I just hit peace myself, right? It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. There's a, a, a very large experience with many, many facets, kind of like diamonds, uh, facets of a diamond, the, you know, the, the joy and the, uh, the sense of love and the sense of freedom and the sense, although freedom can transcend, but you're not home yet in peace. You're not home because it's a spiral and your next destination on the spiral is apathy. It's a oh. next, right. It's a next level of apathy because we live in this ordered universe. It doesn't stop. It's infinite. It's always growing. It's always dying. It's always circling. Although spiraling is a better term because it's not a closed loop. That's more the death cult, the, the Ouroboros, the snake eating its tail. Right. That's closed. It, it, there's, there's, right. The spiral is, is more God's design. And when you turn the spiral on the side, it's, this, it's, it's a sine wave, right? It's, it's, uh, it appears to be going up and down. And, uh, you know, so major traps on the road to what could be freedom or God, if you want to, however you want to call it. Uh, but all of this represents the order that, that God has installed. It's, it's um, at every level of life, this is happening. If you tap into it, then you start to see, I am not at the mercy of the next bout of depression, although it's very humbling because when depression comes, it didn't come, but when you're in it, it's like, woof, like somebody laid a wet blanket on you and like, you, you know, like you're not generating it, but that is the painful truth at the heart of everything. We are generating everything by our free will. We are consenting to everything. And I think that also includes children at a, at a, a very sublime level you know, by coming, coming to earth, by coming to certain circumstances, there is a choice there never blames anybody, but what it does is give you the responsibility. So if you take the task to, to create, to assume responsibility for what you do here on earth, then you are in a very different place. You're not victim to all of that. Archetypes are a major point. This is your question. Sorry to answer this. That's okay. No, way. it's good. Mm -hmm. So archetypes are a major part of this order of universe, the universe. 
I see them as a blueprint that God created. A blueprint is nothing. It's just a, a piece of paper. It's not the, it's not the house that you're going to live in. It has to, it needs life to come through it, to shine through it. Also a lens. I like to see without the light of God, the lens, you won't see anything. It's inert, but it's there for us as, and I, I use different metaphors, like a map, right? It's, it's something to follow. So when you learn the order of archetypes, when you learn the script of archetypes, when you learn the natural expression of archetypes, then you can start to follow the thread of it, the thread, not threat. And um, so the archetype will always have one of two expressions and it comes down to free will. Either you're using that on purpose, knowingly, you're choosing, or you are using it unconsciously, you're still choosing, but it, you won't have that experience and, and the empowerment of choosing. So the archetype can either express consciously or it will express unconsciously. And the two are like night and day. If they look like they have nothing to do with each other, but when you study on the energetic level inside, you see the, the energy is identical. There is no difference between the conscious and the unconscious. And so by getting behind the wheel like that, you become the driver and you say like, oh, Beth, rebel without a cause. It's killing you. It's sucking the life out of you. It's cooperating with the death cult. Mm -hmm. Do you want to keep on cooperating with the death cult or would you rather be free? <laughs> and then you say, ah, okay, I can turn this around. I'm going to stop being that rebel without a cause. I'm going to dig deep inside myself. I'm going to go through the pain of the shadow because that's the first stage of awakening is pain, right? You notice that if one of your limbs goes to sleep, the first thing that you start to feel after circulation comes back is pain. Mm. Those awful tingles, right? Mm -hmm. But that's, that's the gatekeeper. If you're not willing to go through the pain and harvest the energy because the, the pain is showing you where the energy is stuck, right? And yes. you can go harvest that. You have to go through it. And that's where the whole now next level. So archetypes representing this layer and then even deeper underneath that is the level of programming. And then you have core programs. This was also the work of Lester Levinson discovering that, uh, you know, there's really a human being only, you know, human, I know that's a problematic um, legal word. And we'll talk about, I hope we talk a little bit about law as well. Um, that that um, the that the the living being is uh, um, really only operating from these primary programs could be as little as four. So beautiful, so eloquent that really you're only ever looking for four programs, and with with simple questions to see, you know, are you afraid not to survive? That's the that's really the biggest kicker core program. Uh, are you afraid not to have love and approval? It's connected to survival. When you don't get the love and approval of the people around you, they might push you out and you won't survive, right? That would have been the day in a more traditional society. You couldn't live in the forest alone. Right. You needed the cooperation, right? Mm. And, and one of the programs is, is about separation, that how when you tell a kid to go and sit in the corner, God bless any parent who's done that. We've all made our, our, our errors, but you're actually, you know, you're killing that child, by making them separate. That is one of the core programs. It'll make them want oneness. It's a lie. We already have that, right? So it's an, it, as you, as you tell, you unconsciously say, I, I, I want that love. I want that survival. I want that oneness. Then, then you're going to, you're doomed to have all the experiences that reflect not having all of that.
so that you can deprogram and make a new decision and, and work with nature instead, rather than the denature. Uh, the fourth program being uh, this one highly, highly hijacked by the new age world. And it's about control, the fear of being out of control, the desire for control. Those are all the same program. And the new age comes along and says, oh, let go of control. And there couldn't be more bullshit in there. Uh -huh. Okay. You can't, you can't let that go. You are in control. You have free will, all of it. Mm. Right. So that by letting go of control, you are pretending that some other force outside of yourself is in control. It's messy because there is such thing as surrender to God. Surrendering to God's will, merging with God's will. All of these words get, they get a little, you know, crazy because we can't describe the indescribable, but there is a big difference in the, in the experience. That's why you have to come the same way I did with medicine and diagnoses and tests. I had to turn to myself as the authority, right? That's another big archetype, the victim that we're, we're trying to give away, by the way, the free will of choice, that's the saboteur. When you don't uh, exercise free will of choice, you sabotage free will of choice. Mm -hmm. and and that's that is you know that the, between the victim the saboteur the um the child very very big primary primal archetype is what i call it uh prostitute also is all about faith right when you don't have faith you sell your soul to the devil and then and then the fifth primal archetype which i've done a course on all of this uh specifically for the truth community is the masculine feminine that's been highly weaponized against oh. us Oh, right? the division oh, yeah. between those two mm -hmm. and uh, making us all um, part and at war inside ourselves. right? Like that's where my podcast, the King Hero's Journey has been born. I was at war with the masculine my whole life. I bought into the whole feminist, uh, you know, agenda and making me hate men and, uh, and, and effectively hating myself because we are all masculine feminine in here. Right. And uh, having a breakthrough after my dad died and just seeing like, oh my God, it, it's not men that are the perpetrators. There are, there are, you know, it's, it's psychopaths that are the perpetrators and uh, they, they come in all shapes and forms and sizes. And there's only two genders, by the way, I hate to be so blatant about those. And like, <laughs> you know, it is a law. It yeah, is a I thought there were law. like 63 or something. <laughs> exactly. No, no. And it's a, it's a law of nature. This is God's law, right. Right? law of right. gender. So yes. you can't, you can't mess with that, but they've gone out of their way. The death cult has, has tried to fracture the crap out of that because there's a lot of power there. Right. The, 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 the darker and the, the, the more scary the shadow is, that's how much power is available. So those those five primal archetypes to me are I, I use the symbol of a geyser. That's how much energy you can let up when you come out of the shadow. And, uh, you know, but it's it's a it's a woven path. It's a seriously compl complex path until you take it in. Then it's not it's not so. Um, overwhelming anymore. Having said that, it's still overwhelming. And this is why I teach archetypes because nobody has three years to go in and uh, lay down and look inside. Right. Because that's, that's all I did while I was recovering from cancer was study the inner life and, and what are the workings here. So that's why working with archetypes is priceless because you can simplify the situation. Right. I, when, when I was dying, I'm like, all I, all I knew was a wall of death. 
And then I found one archetype that so clearly was out of alignment for me. And I just tweaked it. Right. I didn't conquer the whole world. I didn't, I didn't uncover every archetype inside myself. And there are a multitude of them. Uh, they're not a living being. They're just in potential. They point so, to purpose. Right. Yeah. I was just going to say, when you tweaked it, does that mean you just had a realization about it? Did you? Yep. Or it was just your decision. Okay. I'm not going to be going, I'm not going to be playing out that archetype that way anymore. Like it's just that realization. Yeah. That's all you needed to do. You, you said it, it's, it's the awakening, the awareness, when you see the shadow that you didn't see, we all know what that feels like when you see something about yourself that everybody else sees it, but you don't see it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's God's game. And um, so, yeah, that it, those, those are major steps. It's not all the way. It's about half the way. Now that was enough to, to bring energy back into my system. And that's the whole game is to reclaim enough life energy because life energy works for us. That's God energy. Mm. It's always working for us, never against mm. us. And so if you bring more life force into your body, all of a sudden uh, my body could heal from cancer. I don't know how to heal from cancer, but, but free life God energy does. So that archetype was sucking the life from you in the way it was playing out. Is that what you mean? And you couldn't heal because of that? Like it was, and then yeah, you I was this healing energy. Right. I was divesting myself into that shadow. I, I was right. So there was nothing other than me, other than the unconscious choice to stay asleep and rail against the machine and, and uh, continue to fight external enemies when, when I really needed to, to uh, see the enemy within. Oh, okay. Right. I was, I was divesting rather than investing that, that is very costly. Death is extremely costly. Like we were talking about it needs, it needs constant feeding. Whereas life is its own source of mm -hmm. energy. It doesn't cost energy. It gives energy. It right. gives life. So right. seeing is half. Now the other half to me is, is the, the deprogramming going and seeing at the fine level, how are these things rooted? And why do they keep coming up over and over again? You let anger go yesterday, but here it is again, when the, the clerk at the store says something stupid or makes you, yeah. you know, forces you or keeps you out because of a mask. And so the, these experiences are rooted and, um, you know, Lester Levinson had a, a, a explanation for that. I won't go into too, too much, but you know, that we needed automation over certain things. Like if I had to think about my heart beating while we had this conversation, that's all I would talk about. Oh, beat your heart, Beth. Oh, beat your heart. <laughs> right. <laughs> Certain things had to go into automation, metabolizing food, firing brain synapses, that if we had to handle all of that stuff all the time, that would, that's all we would do. Maybe that's an animal's existence. We don't know what's exactly going on for an animal. I study my cats all the time. Like what's happening? You know, you make no sense at all. <laughs> And, uh, and so we put certain things on a, uh, automation and maybe we, it, it be autom we put automation on automation and kept going. And so there's these AIs inside of us. Now I'm still to this moment. I'm always, I'm always researching this stuff, looking at it. So the, the AI, the death program, this, um, you know, the, the fear of not being in control, fear of not having love, fear of death itself, fear of separation, now, do they also, are they also archetypes that have a light and a shadow? This is my new next question. It didn't matter that I didn't answer this question because it works at the level of to, to see the shadow and make a new decision. You said the, 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 the big word it is because decision is the free will of choice. You enter into your power. You say, okay, that shadow, 
that 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 AI, it's operating with my tacit consent, with my life force. I'm going to revoke that consent and say, no, I'm going to pull my life force out of that AI, give it permission to leave, let it go. God knows what the reality is it of it is, but it responds to instructions because that's what God says. Um, oh, you're giving me instructions. Okay. You know, it's, it's almost a reversal. Like I, your, your wish is my command. Be careful what you wish for. Be right. fully awake. Right. So you talk to that AI, it's giving you instructions. It's just you giving you instructions saying you're going to die. You're out of control. Nobody loves you. Uh, <laughs> right. Like, and, and we're like, Oh, okay. Just, okay. You're right. We're just busy in the habit of taking instructions. And then you flip it around and you're the one giving instructions. Like, Oh, poor thing. I, you know, are you suffering? Oh, well, come here. I'll give you a big hug. Don't worry. I've got this. Mm. I, I'm, I'm in control here. I, I am the source of love. Uh, you can't, it doesn't, you can't cut me up in pieces. doesn't matter how much trauma there was. I'm, I'm never stopped being the wholeness of myself, you know, and, and, and um, you're free to go. <laughs> I don't need to travel that path anyway. Like I can talk about it a million different ways that don't describe it, but they all work because we are in, in um, this kind of magical world of, of, uh, of God. So it, it is a creative process in, in some respects, but I like what works. That's the, the scientific basis. So, so that's, you know, by identifying the program, seeing it for what it is, making a new choice, then, then that's, that is the path to clarity. You see, you, then, then all of a sudden the, um, the blanket over your head isn't not there anymore. What you saw, how your life is playing out inside or out, it transforms before your eyes. That's how I go from being dying to living overnight. Right. Right. And so it, it is the biggest work you could ever do. It's the most challenging and, and most humbling work. The higher that you get in it, and I'll just say like higher because it's, it's frequency, right? The, how Berlando talks about waveforms, they happen. At, and, and so the, the higher the energy gets, the more difficult the work is. It's more invisible. It's more hidden. You don't necessarily have big problems in your life anymore. And uh, so, you know, it leveled the playing field. That's one thing I, I, I know about God is that the, the playing field is level. It's the, the, the toddler's problem is the same as the 14 year old's problem is the same as, you know what I mean? It's the, yes. it's, yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, do we have all archetypes within us and are we playing them all out or do we all have our own primary archetypes and do those change over time? And is there a set number of them? Like, yeah, it's a good question. So everybody's got really different answers for that. And it gave me my own license to, again, just work from within and what I, what I feel I, I do. Uh, I have heard it said, I think this is from Carolyn Meister that, that there are an infinite number of, of archetypes. Um, they can be created, you know, so she points towards a tech geek, but frankly, a tech geek, I was thinking about this, that would have existed in, in, uh, say more of an engineer, um, you know, so like the, the, the makings of the brain that is the tech geek now still existed before tech did. And we might have a lot of tech in our past that we're not, uh, privy to knowing about also, you probably looked into that stuff. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, can they be created? It's God's order. Are we really creating it? I might even right on this show right now, go back and say, no, the jury's still out a little bit on that, but, um, you know, so it is in, it is intensely complex. I think we are all of it, the whole thing. And that's, it's because of the state of oneness, the state of wholeness mm. of everything going on. But yes, to the, the question about primary. So we do have those ones that are our, you know, close, we're intimate with them. It could be also phrased, they are more important to us for whatever reason. You know, we, we chose them. They're, they're like family archetypes. Um, uh, primary archetypes is a, is a way to say it, like personal family archetypes. And, uh, and you see how each person is so different in that respect. That why did one person in, in uh, you know, say two twins are born under the same family at the same time. They had all the same experiences or many of the same experiences, and yet they can be very different personalities mm-hmm. and go in very different directions in life regardless. So to me, this is about the archetypes that were chosen or given, whatever that is. And, uh, and so, yeah, when you, when you see what's most important to you, and you drill down, even at the level of values, what do I value? The archetypes are going to point towards that, right? And, and it will make you aware at a very precise level of what you were only aware of at a vague level. So precision is, is golden because then you go right there and you, you know exactly the, where the work is. And it's just between you and that work. It's mm-hmm. no more... Right? It's not just this big subject, this you know, new age spirituality or any level of spirituality. It's just like, oh, here's me and my, and my shit. And, and, and now I have to decide, do I want to go into the future with that? Or do, do I actually want to have a new experience now? So it's very direct. Um, you know, sometimes the new agey people don't want anything to do with it because it's got no off ramps. You either mm-hmm. want freedom or you don't. Right. Right. And, uh, yeah. Interesting. So I know we're running out of time and you have another thing, but there's, I, I want to talk and we want to talk about what you have to offer people. But before we do that, sure. I just, the current world and the law thing, that's not going to happen yet, but we're, we'll, maybe we'll get you on again. So from the point of view of archetypes and the current situation, like it blows my mind how easy this has been, how people are refusing to see, how they're willing to just give that authority away. They're waiting to have to see if they're allowed to have Christmas or they're allowed to go to a party or if they can invite a friend. It's just, it blows my mind. So from a point of view of archetypes, what the hell is going on? Well, luckily I answered this question uh, to a great extent already. So the primal archetypes, and this was my big question at, at the beginning of the pandemic, like you know, what, what is happening here at the level of archetypes? What's, mm-hmm. what, what are they using against us? Because we already know, or you might know, marketers use archetypes. They, they're extremely aware. You got the, the Nike warrior and the do it, right. do it wilt kind of thing. And the Apple child that makes you buy a machine that doesn't work all the way yet. And it's just this like, <laughs> oh, well, wouldn't it be nice if kind of thing. And, uh, you know, so that's already there at the level of marketing. So I was looking to see the first, the first very obvious archetype with the pandemic was the child. So all of a sudden, everybody's standing on stickers and they're going like, how do I be safe? <laughs> they're looking yeah. to be like, yeah. who can keep me safe? And, and, uh, and going into denial, oh, it's Netflix time. And oh, it's uh, just time to live in my pajamas all day long. And 
you know, eat, eat stuff and, and get fat and uh, do nothing. Like it's just yeah. <clears throat> right. And go into absolute denial, which is the big shadow of the child that is called to purpose. So it's a very confronting when that was weaponized against us, the majority of people went into the shadow of the child mm -hmm. got stuck there. Okay. At, um, and then, and then as we talked about the victim, the prostitute, the saboteur and the masculine feminine, which is, it was not, uh, it, it has been more past. I've, I've been waiting for them to do anything big around the masculine feminine because it's just so ripe for the picking. Maybe it's been done. Maybe it's the damage is done already. It's, uh, it's well underway getting everybody to guess whether they're a man or, or a woman or, you yeah, know, to choose so. gender as a child and all that kind of stuff. So, um, this is what I saw that these archetypes are so leveled against us. For example, the prostitute, it, it's like wear the mask or you don't get to choose your food in the grocery store anymore. Oh, I'll wear the mask so that I can choose that thing. Right. And what's at the basis of it is survival. These are the primal archetypes are all the precipice between life and death. That that very fine line that we're working um, you know, the victim, it, it seems safe to be the victim. If I let them victimize me and put an, a, a poison injection in my arm and I get sick, then I've been the victim. I'm powerless. It had nothing to do with me and my decision. I have no personal authority. I don't have to have any responsibility. I don't have to think. I don't have to reason. I don't have to research. And I can just lay on my back and die at the hands of others and, and feel right in it and, and attract people's approval for that. Right. Yeah. right? It, it, the virtue signal, <laughs> look at me, I'm suffering. It's awful. Yes. And, and then everybody, Oh, poor thing. Right. Um, you know, uh, the, we talked about the prostitute, the saboteur, like the, the biggest one to me really of all, because it is the hiding of free will. There are people who don't even feel like they have that because mm -hmm. they're so automated in their life. Somebody tells them when to wake up in the morning, what to have for breakfast, when to go to work or even to have breakfast. That's a psyop, some breakfast is a psyop, you shouldn't have that. <laughs> um, you know, th that we don't make any choices in our life. We're not called to choose. But in reality, life is this massive choice. Every single moment of your life, you must choose. And you, you, you will be responsible for the outcome of that choice. And so it's, it's heavy, right? Again, I was talking to God about free will and, and I was, I'm, I'm, I'm actually crying going, God, please send an intervention. This is getting too out of control. Like earlier, earlier in the days of the last, when, when things were getting heavy and we don't know what's going to happen. And I was getting caught up in fear, like, please God, please God. And then it's like, Beth, I hear this Beth, you don't, need oh i was praying for miracles he's like you don't need a miracle you are the miracle i gave it to you the free will all of it you've got it like just wake up you know slapping my face wake up you've got that shit get off the floor stop crying exercise this power of free will and that is where my course primal power was born right i'd been studying these archetypes for many many years already and and just seeing like where is the where our people's power tied up and especially not, you know, I lost, I lost interest uh, in waking anybody up. That's not the thing because we have free will. You must wake yourself up. If you don't decide to wake up, you will never in a million years wake up. And so I decided to be of service at that point uh, to the truth community who are willing to, to look at hard things. 
And so that's what primal power is specifically for to, to help uh, someone who already knows the truth, because really we don't know the truth. We know lies. Right. That's yeah. very different. We might not know everything, but we sure as hell know there's, yeah, it's basically everything you've ever been taught. Look the opposite way for more, at least in the direction of truth, right? Like it's all a lie. Yeah, exactly. And even when you find a fact, that's not truth. Right. So this is to go deeper and find actual truth where you start turning to yourself as the authority, where you think your way through situations. This is very big in law. You get all these babies around and I've been a baby, you know, maybe like I'm still in diapers. I don't know if I'm how far along I actually am, but where you stop turning to someone looking for the right path. It's not like that. Mm-hmm. We, we all have to walk ourselves through the path. And uh, so I won't go into super lot of detail, but if, but if your audience isn't familiar with the, the Choose Freedom Law Summit, we have been hosting, mm-hmm. we hosted 19 speakers of those that came forward in the past couple of years to offer their skills that had knowledge in law, that know how to go around the demonic bar association and not work with lawyers, but to present yourself rather than be represented as a, as a, as a fiction, you know, we've all, and this is part of the whole AI thing. We might have to talk again or something because uh, there's, there's just so much here, <laughs> and, um, you know, so to get to the bottom of it, but the, the, it is priceless to be able to hear these speakers and, and get their knowledge and, and start to choose like what resonates with you. What's the situation at hand that you have uniquely, how do you pull together? Like the people that are being successful to me are the ones who can process and think for themselves and use their own actual intent. That's what we're meant to do. So it really ties back into that. Uh, I do see an archetypes of law course coming in the future. I've, I've, d- I've done one interview with Chance Garten about that. It hasn't all gelled. I haven't had the creative time just because the law summit has been uh, really consuming us in the last months now. But that is still free. I'm not sure when your podcast is going to go live. It won't air. By the time this is aired, people, it's not free anymore. But for a nominal donation, right, you can get so much information at your fingertips. So we'll have the link for that. So hopefully today I'll get it posted online just on my page, but I I won't. Yeah, it won't be on this. No Mm. problem. Yeah, yeah. So like you said, it's a nominal uh, donation. And uh, I write extensively about my, my story and my book journey, as, as you mentioned. So that's, uh, I've got amazing feedback. I managed to publish five minutes before the pandemic hit, which is really <laughs> lucky because otherwise I would have been super busy and maybe would have dropped it for a time. Oh, wow. that, uh, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, there, there is a number of ways to work with me, either in personal coaching or courses. I have uh, the very last thing, if you don't mind, if I'll share and then, mm-hmm. uh, I need to go is that I'm uh, the, the, the whole pandemic. I can't stop saying that word. I cannot say pandemic even anymore. Uh, it, it inspired me to create a coaching certification program because a lot of people were losing their jobs or didn't want to prostitute themselves anymore for a job. And this is something I intended to do, but I still didn't give myself permission to do it. And finally I said, okay, if those perpetrators can do this terrible thing to the world, I can do this good thing in the world. 100%. Right. And so I created a seven month program to teach the tools, how to read archetypes, how to coach people with archetypes, how to uh, coach other people with the tools of deprogramming and releasing, how to walk someone through a transformation, because it's going to be more needed than ever. So not only is it a way to replace a profession that doesn't uh, have your best interest anymore, but to help in your way, because we all came to help in some way. 
And this is not about being uh, another Beth Martins. It's about getting the tools and all of those uh, means for helping people transform in your way to, to include, like I've got people doing, uh, you know, including astrology and permaculture and architecture and uh, a whole variety of different ways of being in the world law, um, you know, that they are called to, but now they've got the tools and the skills to actually feel confident to, to have a, a coaching business or, or a mentorship service. Uh, some people won't charge for the work. They just want to know more deeply how to help in a substantial way. And, um, and it's a very big way to transform yourself because how I demonstrate everything is by coaching my students. I've run about 25 people through the program already and the new nice. program starts in September. September. Okay. So you do them live. I do them live. And I think it's timely enough to say that there's an early bird until the end of this month. So it's 40% off right now. It's a good time to look into it. And okay. I will share the, uh, the link with you if you don't mind to. Yes, post please well. do. Absolutely. hundred okay. percent. Okay. That's okay, awesome. Beth. Well, thank you. Woo, that was a lot. And there's so much. <laughs> I so appreciate your time. You're doing great things in the world. And I know more and more, you're going to be popping up around for people and people can get to know you. So I thank you. I'm going to get that law summit myself. And I need to get more work. We got into that work years ago and then dropped it. Now it's time to get back into it. So I really appreciate what you're doing in this world and that you didn't die. So that's <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Good idea. <laughs> that worked out well. <laughs> okay. Beth, thank you so much. Thank you for hosting me. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Oh.